With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in everyone to our GSP Ace of the Day presented by Turner Tennis. Now, some of you may have heard me say this earlier in the week. We are hoping to get, I'll call it a more appropriate promo code for all of you listeners on this segment moving forward. Still working out the final details, hoping to have all of that squared away by Thursday at the latest. But of course, we here at Cracked Rackets are immensely grateful for the continued support we get from our friends at Turner Tennis. And you guys know Turner Tennis has been a staple of the tennis equipment industry since its foundation, and you know it's the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat, the only grip whose performance in hot and humid conditions is unmatched, and of course, that trademark iconic blue color can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros and can be seen on your racket as well. If you'd like to join the Turner Tennis family, you can call or email them to get college pricing or free samples by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800-554-3707. You mentioned Cracked Rackets sent you. Not only will you get some additional free samples thrown in the mix, but the way they treat us, they'll treat you, and that's like family. So again, email them at sales at uniquesports.com. Sports.com or call 800-554-3707. Now, you may hear a little pep in my voice here on today's segment. That's because we're hitting our stride here with our aces of the day. Our day three match picks going far better than our day two selections. We go two, one, and one overall on the day. One of our ATP challenger parlays still in the queue. We got a first leg victory from Casper Zouk, but some of the matches in Little Rock pushed back due to some rain. They had on site there, so still waiting to see Jack Sock, Ernesto Escobedo, if they can deliver the goods and push our day three results even higher up the scale, but overall, we were up 2.79 units on the day. That puts us in the positives now for this French Open, up 0.39 overall, and again, is 0.39 units something you're going to run home and retire on? No, absolutely not, I suppose, unless you're betting in the millions or billions of dollars, but we're not doing that here at Cracked Rackets. Nevertheless, we are well aware. It's always better to be in the positives than the negatives, right? And we are back in the positives now, and we don't plan on slowing down from here. And with that in mind, let's get into our selections for day four of this French Open here on our GSP Ace of the Day segment. Let's start with the straight-up picks. I have a couple of them for you today because I'm not going to lie. This opening second round matches here on day four of this French Open Things get tough. A lot of tight matches across the board. A lot of tight money lines as a fact, you know, as a reflection of that fact, I should say. There are two underdogs I have my eyes on in particular. One of them, I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling pretty confident about the other one. It's a gut feeling. And whenever you're going off the gut, you don't feel great. But it's plus odds only here on today's segment. Here is pick number one. It's a battle of the Fs, but I'm going to take Fucevic over Fognini. 
Panini tomorrow. You look at the odds. It's relatively even. Fucevic plus 123 against Fognini. And I mean, look, Fognini, sorry, I let the G out there. We know real Gs move in silence like lasagna. That's the case for Fognini. But it just feels like we've seen Fucevic win match after match at these Grand Slams over the last few seasons. And you look for him since the 2018 uh, ATP season started. He's 17 and 12 at the Grand Slams. You want to go even further than that. Let's go to the start of the 2020 season, reach the fourth round of the Australian Open, then reach the third round of the U.S. Open, fourth round of Roland Garros, third round this year at the Australian Open. He now finds himself in this second round match against Fabio Fonini after he earned a straight set win over Jill Simone. Those numbers are pretty damn good. I mean, when you're saying in your last four slams, you've made at least the third round. What round are we in here, folks, on day four? It's a second round match. Fabio, uh, Fabio Fonini, excuse me, uh, Marton Fucevic, he's been excellent of late. And it's not just at the Grand Slams. You want to go beyond that. He's 29 and 15 in his last 52 weeks. The big run, of course, the run he made at Rotterdam back at the start of March now. It was a relatively soft draw, but he beat everyone he was supposed to beat. He beat Opelka. He beat Davidovich Fokina. He beat Tommy Paul. He beat Borna George. You want to look at Tennis Abstract's ELO ratings. Fucevic is up to the number 20 spot in overall ELO, not 2021-specific ELO, not clay court ELO, and I won't lie, his clay court ELO a little bit lower than his other two ELO number ratings, but he's number 20 uh, overall. That's a testament to the success he's had week in, week out, and again, it's a testament to the fact that Fucevic has hit his stride. He's clearly in the prime of his career. You want to look at that 2021-specific number. Uh, Martin Fucevic, currently the number 24 player by 2021-specific ELO, which is, again, measuring who you're playing and how you're beating them, not necessarily where or win like the ATP rankings do, although you know you'd want to look for him right now. He's currently number 44 in those rankings. He takes on a Fabio Fonini tomorrow who, look, he's been pretty solid in the Grand Slams of late. He's 23-11 and 11 since the start of 2018. That's pretty damn good. You look at his French Open results in particular, fourth round of 2018, fourth round of 2019, lost first round last year to Mikhail Kokushkin, but of course, you know, he didn't play the U.S. Open last year. That was really one of his first events in the resumed ATP Tour post-pandemic, and that loss to Kokushkin was certainly a strange one, but he sort of regained his rhythm here at the start of 2021. It was a fourth round for him at the Australian Open. He beat Herbert Caruso in five sets in Demon Hour before bowing out respectfully to Rafael Nadal, and you can always understand that, but you look for him overall, again, since the Tour resumed, 14 and 16 in the 30 matches he played. You want to narrow that down to 2021. It's not much better. He's 13 and 12. You look for him here during this clay court portion of the year. Lost 2 and 1 to Halmi Munar. Did make the quarterfinals of Monte Carlo before bowing out to Kasparud, but then, you know, it was a first-round default uh, after he lost the first set 6-love to uh, Bernabe Zapata Morales in Barcelona. It was a second-round loss to Berrettini in Madrid, first-round loss to Nishikori in Rome. He made the second round of Geneva where he beat Guido Pea 
but then got knocked off by Laszlo Jure, who, you know, best surface for Jure is certainly going to be the clay, but that is not a loss you would expect from a prime Fabio Fonini. And look, Fonini this year, I think he just turned 34 years old. He's, you know, at number 29 in the rankings, which is down from his career high of number nine. You want to go to the ELO rankings. I mentioned the fact that Fucevic at that career high number of, oh, not career high, I suppose he was a little higher earlier in the season, but he's kind of steadied out at number 20, Fonini down to number 46. Now, by clay court elo, Fonini certainly a little bit higher than that. He hangs out. It's funny, the guys he's behind, two behind are Del Bonis and Andy Murray, and also behind Carlos Alcaraz, but he's ahead of guys like Yannick Sinner, Philip Krajinovic, Albert Ramos, Vinoles. Feels about right, right? I, I would argue Sinner's a little bit low. That's probably due to a lack of clay court sample size, but certainly that's higher than Marton Fucevic, who if you want to compare, uh, you know, comparatively, he's in the Kokonakis, Lajovic, Query are the three above him. Griegspor, Galan, Karbeth-Benia, the three below him. And, you know, he's not too much lower than Fucevic. He's still a top, uh, you know, 50 clay court guy, but that's lower than his overall ELO still. I think this is the tale of two different stories. Respectfully for Fabio Fonini, the best years of his career are behind him. Respectfully to Marton Fucevic, and I don't know how this would be anything but respectful, he's in the prime of his career. And again, from a physicality standpoint, I certainly think Fonini could take the opening set. I even think he could take two of the opening three, but I just think the longer this match goes, the more it leans towards Marton Fucevic, who you look for him again in his last 52. He's winning 69% of his first serve points, 54% of his second serve points, holding serve 78% of the time, breaking serve 28% of the time, and you know winning 51% of his total points. You compare those splits to Fabio Fonini in his last 52. He's winning you know 68% of his first serves, 47% of his second serves, holding just 70% of the time, you know winning only, I believe, uh, 49.4, or 49% essentially of his total points. So you have a guy who's winning 51% of his total points, a guy who's winning 49% of his total points, a guy who's hovering in, in the 20s in ELO, and a guy who's clearly playing his best tennis versus a guy who is not playing his best tennis and has suffered some early round losses. And, I mean, you want to look more specifically for Fucevic. How has he done during this clay court portion portion of the year? Lost to Sinego in Bublik in Monte Carlo in Madrid, respectfully, which isn't great. You know, beat Nishioka before bowing out to Dominic Team in three sets of match. He really should have won in Rome. I believe he had some set point chances, or at least was one point away from a set point. Won the first set 6-3, lost that second set 7-6, and then kind of win away 6-love. And, you know, then lost a match to Dom Stricker in Geneva a couple of weeks ago, but we know Stricker's an on-the-rise guy as well. The point is, neither of them have been that great during the clay court season, and in that sort of instance, you go with the guy who's got the hotter hand. You go with the guy who's been fitter of late. That is Marton Fucevic, and again, you look at the Grand Slam results for him of late. Fourth round 2020 Australian Open, third round U.S. Open, fourth round of last year's French Open where he beat Daniil Medvedev, third round this year in Australia, he beat Stan, he beat Polmans, he lost to Rayonic this year. You know, he's again, this is a second round match here at the French Open. I just think Fucevic has the hot hand. I think at plus 123, we're getting value. Now, it's only a one-unit selection, but give me the underdog Fucevic. It just feels like he's beating a seed per tournament of late. In fact, you look at the last four slams, he beat Shapovalov 
in Australia. He beat Dimitrov at the U.S. Open. He beat Medvedev uh, French Open. And then this past year, he beat, again, Wawrinka at the Australian Open. I think this is the seed he knocks out. I think Fabio Fonini gets knocked out here in round number two. Let's put one unit on Fucevic to win 1.23. That's ace of the day number one. Now, ace of the day number two, it's another money line pick. It is a straight gut feeling, folks. I just think a healthy Danielle Collins is not to be trifled with. And the fact that she is an underdog tomorrow against Alina Kalnina, um, and Helena Kalnina, excuse me, I butchered that pronunciation, I just think that's a little disrespectful to Danielle Collins, who you look and we, you know, she talked notably about the health issues she's undergone these past few months and how much better she's feeling now than she were was a few months ago. You know, quietly, she was a quarterfinalist last year at the French Open, and the wins she accumulated were very damn impressive. She beat Tossin, she beat Muguruza, she beat On Jabour before bowing out in three sets to Sonia Kennan. You look at her results this season, She's yet. Uh, she hasn't lost a first-round match at all this year. Quarterfinals at the Yarra Valley, second round in Australian Open before she lost to Pliskova. Semifinals in the follow-up event in Australia where she lost in three to Cassit Kina. Adelaide, it was a quarterfinal appearance she lost to one of the hottest players in women's tennis right now in Kudermatova in Miami. Now, she didn't play between Miami and the French Open. That's a testament to, again, the health issues she's had, but she's had multiple days off since her victory over Shiyu Wang in the first round. I know that was a three-set victory, but I just think, again, in Angelina uh, Kalanina, who was the qualifier in this event, currently ranked number 139. You know, the 24-year-old is certainly on the rise, starting to play her best tennis. She's 23-9 and in her last 52 and you know you look at what she did at the 25k she won an event on clay in Portugal she then won an event on clay at the 60k level in Zagreb at the end of April before not playing the month leading up to this Roland Garros event she's hot right now there's no denying that and clearly you look clay results have been good for her and in fact you just look in her career across surfaces she has let's see here overall a 120 and 51 record on clay that's a 70% win percentage versus an 81 and 63 record on hard courts again that's a 56% win percentage but it's not often you're going to take on at the 50k level 60k 25k level you play someone with the power tennis game of Danielle Collins, you want to look at the ELO ratings in case, you know, again, you're trying to talk yourself into this. Collins, comparatively, you look at her clay court ELO rating, she's still hovering in that top 30, where respectfully, Kalanina, as good as she has been of late, uh, she's lower than that. She's outside the top, actually, she's inside the top 75, which is a testament to how much better she's been on clay than the other surfaces in her career, but I just think to ask Kalanina to hang with the power game of Danielle Collins, I know Kalanina can hit the absolute crap out of the ball, but I don't know if she's quite wet, uh, quite ready to handle the power tennis of Danielle Collins. You look for Kalanina in her career at the Grand Slam. She's 7-9. and nine. She's never advanced past the second round of a slam. She's only reached the second round of a slam uh, now you know, this is the second time she's done it. She did it at the 2018 U.S. Open. Now she's done it here. This is also only the third Grand Slam main draw she's played in her career. I think the experience wins out in the end for uh, Danielle Collins. And again, Kalanina was very, very good. There's no denying that in terms of uh, her first round match when she knocked out Angelique Kerber 2-4. and four. But I just think 
you know, Collins is a different beast than Danielle, uh, than, and then Angelique Kerber. I think Collins just provides a little bit more punch, a little bit more pace. You look for Kalina where she struggles always is that second serve percentage. And you just cannot give Danielle Collins clean looks at a second serve because she is going to make you pay. Give me Collins again, that she's an underdog in this match, I think speaks to the mystery surrounding her health entering this event, but plus 110, we're going to take the value there. So put one unit on that to win Uh, 1.1 overall. Again, small wagers here on the underdogs because certainly Kalanina could find the zone. Certainly Fabio Fonini could find his zone, but... I just feel like Collins and Fuchovic should not be underdogs in today's uh, matches. And again, plus odds only. That's the theme of today's podcast. So those are my two straight up money line picks. Now, there were a lot of over-unders I have my eyes on. And that's a testament to how close I think some of these matchups are going to be. If Kasakina Bencic goes three sets, that should surprise no one. If Kudermatova Sinyakova goes three sets, and we'll get back to that match in a parlay, that should surprise no one. Ditto Pavlochenko Tomjanovic, Keys Fernandez on the men's side in terms of the over three and a half sets, and it's just not great value in Kasmanovic Jure. I guarantee you that match goes four. It's minus 182. Like, you just have to bet a lot of units on that, and I'm not. You know the rule. No betting on Miamir Kasmanovic because the moment you think you know how he's going to do, it's going to go the opposite way. Belbonis Andohar, minus 177 over three and a half sets. Eh. Like Giron Paya, minus 155 over three and a half sets. Eh. Isner Opelka, minus 205, minus 200 to go three and a half against Krajinovic and Munar, respectfully. Paul Medvedev, minus 136. So odds makers are very certain Tommy Paul is going to get at least one set. Ditto about Daniil Medvedev. The interesting one, over one and a half tiebreakers in Isner Krajinovic plus 140. I am very, 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 very tempted to throw just a little bit of cashola on that one. But the thing that stood out to me the most, Clara Tossin versus Victoria Azarenka over two and a half sets plus 150. Look, this is a bet on Tossin more than it is a bet against Victoria Azarenka. Simply put, Clara Tossin has just been a stud of late. And I mean, the results speak for themselves. She's, I believe, something crazy. It's 45 and 13 in her last uh, 52 weeks. And a lot of that success has come on hard courts. But, you know, last year she shocked Jennifer Brady in the first round of this Roland Garros event. You look for her here, what she's done on the clay courts this season. She, you know, had to withdraw from Charleston too after suffering an injury there in her match against Maria Camilo Osorio Serrano. You look since then, she qualified in St. Mayo where she lost to Gracheva in three sets in Parma. It was a loss to Sinyakova. Really dominant performance against Gorgadzi in her first round here. I guess this is sort of a bet against Vika as well because you look for Victoria Azarenka. You know, she just hasn't been that great thus far on the clay court. She, you know, lost. Uh, maybe I should just take Tossin straight up here as an underdog. No, because I think Victoria is going to, I think Vika is going to scrap and claw. And, you know, in Madrid, she beat Alexandrova in three sets before withdrawing against Pegula. First round against Kuznetsova, she goes three sets. And I actually think there are some eerie parallels between Kuznetsova and Tossin here on clay in that, look, Vika was playing defense for the majority of her match against Kuznetsova was throwing a lot of, you know, elevated, high top spin, high margin shots just to try and keep the ball in, try and keep Kuznetsova moving from side to side. 
I think if you can't take pace against, if you can't use pace against Tossin, if you can't hit her off her spots, if you let her dictate it all from the center of the court, as Vika did a little bit against Kuznetsova, I think Tossin's going to make Vika pay in all of the same ways. And again, to bet against Vika to lose in straight sets or to lose this match at all, that feels a little bit much for me. I don't know if Tossin's quite there yet because I still do have some questions about her movement. And again, when Vika can play those zero to four shot rallies and get into her patterns, play first strike tennis, I do worry about the way Tossin's going to be able to respond, but, you know, doesn't it just fit the narrative, Tossin, to take a set here, maybe even take this match against Vika, continue her ascendance towards the top of the women's game? You look for her in terms of 2021 ELO Tossin, number 78 overall, which you'd think is way lower than Vika, but then you keep in mind, you know, Vika uh, this season hasn't played that many matches. I believe she's number 20 in overall ELO, and again, you want to look for Vika as a rank and her success here in this last 52 weeks. Uh, in particular, let's let's just do 2021. She's 7 and no, that's not right. She's not 7-2 and two overall. That reads that wrong because she had losses to Pagula. Uh, oh, a bunch of withdrawals. She withdrew to Muguruza. She withdrew to Conteve. She withdrew to Pagula. So I guess she is 7-2 and two plus the 3 withdrawals, but you know, again, that's just not a lot of tennis, and she played a physical three-setter in her first-round match. Now, certainly she's been preventative so that she can play extended lengths and extended periods of time here in the biggest events, the Grand Slams, but I just think the power of Tossin is going to give her troubles. I think this match goes the distance. At plus 150, let's throw a unit on it to win 1.5. Again, plus odds only is the theme of today's show. Now, Again, there are a lot of tight matches across the board. I am a bit nervous about the spread we have here today. But of course, it would not be a GSP Ace of the Day segment if I didn't throw some parlays at you. Now again, we've got Sock Escobedo still floating out there as part of that Casper Zook parlay from yesterday. So I'll be sure to update you all tomorrow on how that parlay plays out. I've got two French Open specific parlays for all of you today. Let's start with the women. I think tomorrow's a Danzig's going to beat Madison Brangle tomorrow. I just the fact that Brangle beat Osorio Serrano was a surprise to me. And you watched Zadanzic play against Andrescu. Her forehand is the biggest weapon on the court, and it's not particularly close. I just don't know what Brangle's going to be able to do to hurt Zadanzic, and you have to hurt Zadanzic in order to beat her right now on the clay. That's how confidently she's playing. I don't expect a letdown. I think she's used the day as I, I don't know if she had one or two days off, but I think she will have used it to allow herself to reset. And again, I just don't know how Brangle hurts her. Minus 375, that's leg number one. We're going to throw Vondrusova back in the mix as well. She delivered on day one. Let's take her to deliver again on day two. She's minus 335 over Tan tomorrow. Again, Zdanzik, Vondrusova, minus 375, minus 335 respectfully. That's not going to get us the best odds. And that's where our tricky one comes in. If something's going to screw up this parlay, it's going to be Veronica Kudermatova against Katerina Sinyakova. And it's not going to be, you know, again, that uh, Kudermatova blows the match. It's just going to be that Sinyakova beats her because there's no denying the fact that Clay has continuously been the best surface for Sinyakova in her career. You look at the numbers for Katerina Sinyakova, you know, in terms of overall on Clay court, she's 63-43 and in WT level matches that is you know better than her records on hard courts where she has I believe like 104 and 101 and it's better uh excuse me where she's 15 and 22 and overall she's 104 and 101 in WTA level matches but you start to filter for when she plays top 40 opponents in Yakuba 14 and 22 
in WTA-level clay court matches when she plays top 40 opponents. And she's getting someone who's not only inside the top 40, but arguably one of the 10 hottest players in the women's game right now. She's number six in overall ELO rating, third in terms of total wins accumulated in Veronica Kudermatova. And look, Kudermatova, 39-22 and 22 in her career on clay versus a 61-54 and 54 record on hard courts at the WTA level. Now, you know, Kudermatova, 15-15 and 15 in slams in her career, but you look at the trends of late. You know, last year was a three-set loss to Martic in the second round of this French Open. She makes third round of the Australian Open this year before getting knocked out by Simona Halep, but beat, you know, Marta Kostyuk in the first round. That win has certainly appreciated with value, and then I thought was excellent in her first set and first round win over Amanda Nisimova. Now you look at the last 52 weeks for both of these players, uh, for Sinyakova, or excuse me, let's start with Kudermatova. I mentioned the fact that she right now this season has the second highest win. She's 34 in 18 in her last 52 weeks. You look for Katarina Sinyakova, she's 17 and 18 in her last 52 weeks, and she's picked it up here in the clay court season, quarterfinals of Istanbul, where she lost to Mertens, then, you know, a strange first round last to Anna Bogdan, 6-5 and five in qualifying in Madrid. She follows that up, though, semifinals in Parma, where she beat Tossin, beat Serena, beat Garcia before losing in three to Coco Goff, but it was a physical first round match for her against Marie Buskova, and again, I just think Sinyakova is going to be pushed on her back foot. I think she's going to be, you know, dealing with the flat power of uh, of Veronica Kudermatova, and you know, you know, you look last year for her, it was a third round at Roland Garros. She beat Pavlochenkova Davis before getting knocked out by Kiki Burtons, and you know, in Rome she lost to Kazetkina. In Prague she lost to Zdanzik on the clay first round. I mentioned the stat, the big one I'm turning to. She's 14 and 22 when she plays top 40 players right now, uh, or in her career on clay courts. You want to make that against top 20 players. She's 6 and 14, which, let's be honest, right now, Veronica Kudermatova at a minimum is a top 20 player. I just think. Kudermatova's got the goods. She's hot right now. It's a very similar game style between the two of them, and I just think Kudermatova's better at executing it. So you throw her into the mix with the Vantrusova and Zidanzic money lines, you get plus 128 odds, which sticks with our themes. Plus odds only on today's pod. Let's throw one unit at that parlay. Only one unit selections, because again, it's a very tumultuous day for us wagerers out there. For it, It's a lot of close matches. More than anything else, we're just going to enjoy the tennis here tomorrow, but give me Zidanzik, Kudermatova, Vandrusova, plus 128, one unit to win, 128, and then on the men's side, uh, I do think Davidovich Fokina, minus 480, beats uh, beat my boy, BVDZ, uh, and of course, some of you are asking, who is BVDZ? Of course, if you watch that Hubie Hercats match, you know I'm talking about Botic Vandeskulp. Uh, uh, of the Netherlands, I just, you know, he's never made the second round of a Grand Slam before, and I think Davidovich Fokina's guy who kind of thrives with someone who's got first strike power, but, you know, that's the precipice of BVDZ's game, and I just think Davidovich Fokina's the more dynamic player and plenty athletic to handle that first strike. The other one, I never feel good about betting against Mackie McDonald, but this is a bet on Christian Guerin, who's just due for a breakout run at these French Open. At this French Open, he's been so good on the clay everywhere else in his career. And you look 
for Christian Garen in terms of, again, my favorite stat, the ELO rating. He's the number 12 ranked ELO player in terms of clay court specific player on tour. Now, you know, you compare that to Mackie McDonald, who respectfully, I don't even know if he's inside the top 100 in terms of clay court ELO. And in fact, he is, but he's outside the top 50. Mackey's peaking right now. He's starting to play that sort of tennis that got him inside the top 75 in the rankings. And I said this on a podcast months ago as we were preparing for the season. I do think Mackey ends up back in the top 100 when all things are said and done. But I just don't know what he does. I mean, he takes the ball early. He's going to hurt you for sure. And he just is plays so decisive. But Christian Guerin on clay, I, I'm just waiting for the big French open run. I think now is the time. Minus 360 will hit on that money line plus Davidovich Fokina. And then the one that gets us to plus odds because that's our theme here today. And I'm prepared to lose this one unit already. But Hatchinov minus 137 over Nishikori. It was a struggle for Kei Nishikori to even advance past his first round five-set victory for him over Alessandro Gianessi. Meanwhile, you look for Karen Hatchinov at the majors of late, in particular at this major last year at this Roland Garros. It was a sneaky round of 16 where, you know, he beat Matrizak, Vesely, Christian Garen before getting knocked out by Novak Djokovic. You look at the Australian Open this year. Again, he just holds seeds at the slams now. He, uh, you know, ends up reaching the third round before getting knocked out by Berrettini, and you want to look for him in his career overall, again, at the Grand Slam level, because he is a guy who so exceptional physically. Uh, he's been really good here at Roland Garros. I mentioned the fact last year, fourth round, 2019, he made quarterfinals. 2018, he made round of 16. 2017, he made round of 16. His losses over that time at Roland Garros to Murray, Zverev, uh, Dominic Team, and then, of course, last year, Novak Djokovic. It's really hard to beat him three out of five sets on clay. And while Kei Nishikori's best could certainly do it, do we really think Kei Nishikori's playing his peak tennis right now? I don't. And you throw Hatchinov into the mix here, you get plus 168 odds. So, you know, again, Hatchinov is almost in the Kesmanovich zone. You feel a little bit more confident in him when it's three out of five sets and not two out of the three because, again, they have his physical prowess. But give me Davidovich Fokina, Hatchinov, and Garin. Plus 168 on a three-person parley money line. One unit to win 168. And those are the aces of the day. Again, to recap, I have Fucevic plus 123 over Fonini. One unit to win 1.23. Collins plus 110 over Kalanina. One unit to win 1.1. Over 2.5 in Tossin Azarenka. Plus 150. One to win 150. It's all one unit bets. So, you know, again, you hear the odds just put a decimal point after the first number. Zidanzik, Kudermatova, Vandrusova, plus 128, and then Davidovich Fokina, Hachinov, and Garin, plus 168. Those are your aces of the day. Again, more than anything else, I'm expecting some spectacular tennis here on day four, our opening day of round two of this 2021 French Open. That would stick with the theme, right, as the tennis has gotten better and better as this event has progressed. And again, if you want to hear recaps of all the action, day one, day two, day three, you can find them all on our mini break podcast. If you've missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends at Turna Tennis. Remember, you can contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to join the Turna Tennis family. And again, you need updates throughout the day. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. But with that in mind, for our wonderful super producers, Fligner and Westoff, for our friends at Turna Tennis, and from all of us here, at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, 
great shot, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.